Is the name of the show. I am Jared Kimber. I'm with a man who he loves a sundry. He loves all in sundry, but he loves specifically sundries. It's Andy Zaltzwood. So we can't use that word in this country, Jared. It's not a, in, indeed in this hemisphere. Extras, extras, extras. I like both. Right. Well, where are you on the wrong and googly divide? Um, well, More. wrong and I don't. I've never. I've never really liked that term. I like the term bosey. I will give you that one. I think that's the best one. Yeah. And it is used um, the least. Um, I'm working with Darren Goff this year and he says Google. Right. All right. That's the name of a fairly well-known website. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying maybe less of the Google, you know, always bold and ask Jeeves there. <laughs> I went, I went back with my internet reference right there. That's dated. That's going to alienate the younger listeners. <laughs> um, a oh, core market. <laughs> Into the uh, what are we talking about? What's this episode about? No balls. No balls. Yeah, which I am fascinated about. Have you ever umpired a cricket game? Yes, I have many times as a, as a village player. Well, I say an umpired a game. I've done my ten overs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gone out early. I have to go out, yeah. or I'm not batting early enough in the order. People know, like this is look. If there are any young people left listening, <laughs> <laughs> well, is this not on the national curriculum? It's good. <laughs> um. One thing that's really important when you're playing club cricket is to bat at about number six. Maybe number seven, but I think number six is the ideal position. And the reason is, is just early enough in the order that no one feels safe for you going out and umpiring beforehand. And you're just late enough in the order that if you face 20 or 30 balls, fair chance you're not going to have to umpire at all. These are the sorts of lessons that uh, took me a lifetime to learn, but hopefully I can help people out earlier on. But, or the other thing is to bowl a lot overs and come back and go, Back's flared up a little bit. Yeah. So don't think I'll be able to. <laughs> don't think I'll be able to go out and buy it today. And there's always one guy who's just eager to do it because mostly because he doesn't like the rest of you. <laughs> but I didn't umpire a game, I think, until I was 15 or 16 and I was playing senior cricket and I got out very early, <laughs> opened the batting, got out, uh, you know, first or second over, went out to umpire and the bloke I was umpiring to was probably low 70 miles an hour, you know, certainly not a quick bowler by anyone's stretch, but for club cricket, a decent enough speed. And I suddenly had to stand there, work out where his front foot was landing, and then jag my head up shockingly to then try and see the line, the length, and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, this bloke's not even that quick. How on earth does anyone umpire the front foot no ball rule when when they, when there's a really quick no ball being bowled. It is a far harder skill than I think people uh, truly understand. And we can get into how that affects umpires because your head's not 100% still or your eyes are not still or you're moving. And if it's 90 miles an hour, it's hard enough to see when you're you're ready. <laughs> ready well, it would be for us, especially. So I, I just think that the, the no ball is a very interesting thing. So a couple of years ago, and I don't think the ICC have gone public with this yet, but I know for a fact that the ICC basically went to the umpires and said, uh, don't call no balls in test matches, I think, specifically. I think in limited overs, they're still trying to call. So if it's an obvious no ball, they call it. But if it's not an obvious no ball, they don't call it. And the reason is, is they were getting caught out. And I think it was an Adam Voges, um dismissal. Do you remember that one? Yeah, against, was it New Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand. And he was given not out and went on to make, 200 lots. Yeah. And the call was wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was an, an erroneous no ball call. Yeah. But 
shaped the game. It was around that time that they decided to not do it and to do it the other way. Now, I understand the reason why that they've done that. So what they've done in test cricket specifically is they've essentially said now, call them when you really see them and we'll check for them at the end of every wicket. Now, I do understand the thinking of this, and it's not like me to say nice things about the ICC, but they're trying to fix the problem. It's just that it's a stupid idea. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it, it is It is basically impossible for the human eye to do both of those things, as as you described, particularly as – and I always found this in village cricket. There's some bowlers whose kind of like bodies or legs just get in the way, and you can't really see their foot Someone did, at Was all. that Tom Moody who tweeted that? Or there was a former cricketer who tweeted that the other day. Quite often, literally the bowler is in the way. Yeah. So, and then you've also got the, the anomaly, I don't know if it's an anomaly in the laws, a quirk of the laws whereby if a bit of your foot is behind the line in the air, yes, that's okay. Which for an off spinner who pivot on their front foot a lot, it's really hard to tell if you're behind the line or in front and of it. I don't know, what is, is the law when it, the moment you land or any point in the deliver, because then you see heels coming backwards as the foot. No, I think it's, I, I don't think that matters landing? as long as your, if your foot squishes back, you're talking about the squish of modern well, shoes. Got this, then, and, and you've got the squish. So what I don't understand is why they don't just change the law. So you have to have something on the ground behind the line. It'd be so much easier to judge on the TV replays. That's one thing. And two, in televised cricket, so basically international cricket and major T20 franchises, what, why does the third umpire not just do every single ball? I mean, how long would it take to just, yeah, you have your square on, um, um, camera, every ball, the third umpire looks at it. If it looks close, he has another look at it and then just take it off the, off the umpires on the field because teams are losing out on, uh, on runs. Well, who, what was, who was the bowler? And I've now completely forgot. Was it Lakmal who bowled all the no, no, who's the, the Sri Lankan bowler who bowled all the no balls in that test match? So we were both watching the Sri Lankan England series so closely that we've just had to go and basically Google his name. <laughs> but Lakshan, the left arm wrist spinner, um, I think he bowled four overs or six overs, must have been. And in that, there were 18 balls that were actually no balls. Yeah. Right? Of those 18 balls, I think the only ones that were called was when he took a wicket. Yeah. Now, there's multiple effects in that. That was a close series. Yeah. That's 16 or 17 runs not called. Yes. Okay, so the batting team's penalised because of this decision, but then the bowler is penalised as well because, and we'll talk about this later, the only way to stop players from bowling no balls is to really penalise them. Yes. So the free hit has changed limited overs cricket forever, right? I have some stats on that we can come to. Well, we'll talk about it when we get there later, but but essentially we know that the free hit has changed um, limited overs cricket. So this bowler, not only is he not even... Giving up free hits. He's not even being called for any of these no balls. So he's not self-correcting. Now, I look, it's his fault. Get behind the line, stupid. You're a wrist spinner. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 100% on that. But at the same time, that's why we have those penalties. Yes. Well, I think, I think that element is important in it. And clearly, you know, you can say, oh, it's his, it's his fault. But I don't know, you know, there's this, often we get things like, oh, it's his fault, it's his fault. That more than one thing can be at fault for something. Yes. And, and um, ICC's always part of it. <laughs> so it is kind of ridiculous. If you're a bowler and you're not being, you know, there's no communication. You see in a lot of sports, so, so refereeing a rugby match. Now, rugby is essentially a completely unrefereeable sport because the, there's, you know, ridiculously complicated rules and laws. So a lot of it just comes down to communication. So you, there's a constant dialogue between the, the referee and the, and the players, and so they know what they can do and what they can't do. Now, in cricket, you'd think that's a fairly simple thing for the umpire to just say, 
look out. It's, it's looking close. Yeah, see, I think they do do that. Well, maybe, yeah. And I think that the problem is that that's not how psycho- uh, humans... We're basically, we're bad as a race, as, as, a, as a species. Right. Right? <laughs> we need to be punished. Yeah, to fix it. So I think what happens is he says, oh, I, think, "I think I think you're up on the line there. Just watch your foot." And I reckon he says that a bunch of times. If he called a no ball, two or three no balls, I reckon he fixes yeah. it, or he's out of the attack forever. Yeah. So, um, well, that would be another another way of doing it, wouldn't it? If you bowl two no balls, you're out. It's like running on the pitch. Oh, I like um, it. <laughs> well, if you bowl waist high no ball, I, can we, just just because this episode is about no balls, should we talk about the greatest spell of bowling in the history of mankind, which is Dirk Nannis? I hope I'm remembering this correctly. It just came to my mind when you said, uh, when you said, uh, take him out of the game. Dirk Nannis was opening the bowling for Victoria against uh, Western Australia. And at this stage, he was just becoming a T20 specialist, but he was a really good first class bowler as well. Comes into bowl to Sean Marsh. And the first ball, I believe, is a waist high full toss outside of stump, which Sean Marsh hits for four, right? Umpire warns him and says, well, that's your one. You bowl another one, you can't play. This is first ball of the game, or it's certainly Dirk Nannis' first over. So it's either first or second over of the game. Bowls a full toss, gets hit for four. Next ball comes in, bowls a knee-high full toss for Sean Marsh, who smashes it straight to point and gets caught. Third ball, bowls another waist-high full toss to whoever some other poor bugger has come out to face a bloke bowling 92-mile-an-hour full tosses. And he basically bowled one league of ball and took one for four or one for two or whatever, or whatever his final figures were and never bowled another ball in the game. Um, so all I'm saying is that should happen to all bowlers who bowl no balls because they should uh, learn to be behind the line. Is, that's not what, that's what we're saying, isn't it? Basically, yes. Yeah. Um, I, do, I, I can't understand why this hasn't been dealt with. It seems ridiculous. They've had these side on cameras for 25 years now, haven't they? And, um, yeah, there's, well, there's not only a third umpire, there's a fourth umpire, isn't there, in an international game. What do they do? 93 umpires at every ground. So it, it just seems ludicrous to me. And it leads to, uh, as you say, unfairness to both sides. And, um. Which is the most cricket thing it could be, to be fair. Yeah, yeah I guess <laughs> so. Poorly officiated, officiated and unfair to both yeah. sides. The story of cricket. Yeah. It, but it balances out. Here's a, a, just a quick substat. In India's next no ball. In a test match, if they bowl one no ball, they will reach 500 for the decade in test cricket. It's very exciting. But talking about since England just broke the world record, didn't they, for the most balls delivered in test cricket without a no ball? Without a no ball. Well, Chris Wokes has never bowled a no ball in test cricket. God, he's a nice guy. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he's too nice to bowl a no ball. Even his feet are nice. Andrew. Yes. We've nearly eliminated no balls. Yeah. That's pretty weird. It is It is quite. Well, England in one-day cricket went 10,000 balls without overstepping, conceded some no balls for, for height, but 10,000 balls without overstepping. New Zealand hardly ever bowl a, a no ball. They were 8,500 that they got to, and no one realised at the time that that was probably the record. And then when England went past it, they went, when we, people went, look back, they went, maybe that is the record. Um we don't know what the record is because generally there's been so many no balls get a bowl. No one's ever bothered checking if there hasn't been. But yes. my guess would be that New Zealand had the record and England have just gone past it. Yeah, New Zealand also went 11 matches without bowling any no ball recently and uh, didn't bowl a no ball in 20 out of 22 ODIs. So they've managed to strip it out of their game. Just looking at test cricket, 39,888 no balls have been bowled as we record here in January. Uh, out of nearly 5 million deliveries. 
in Test cricket. That's uh, on average one no ball per 121 legitimate deliveries in Test history. There have been 72 Tests. So just can I stop you? It's yeah. great that we get paid for what you've just said. Yeah, we continue. It's a happy world. 72 Tests in Test history have had 50 or more no balls bowled in them. None of those have been since 2007. There were only two 50 no-ball test matches in the first 670 tests. That's up to uh, 1970. So basically up until the the front foot no-ball. Yeah, so the front foot uh, no-ball came in in 1963. Prior to that, there had been the back foot uh, and no-balls were pretty irregular. Um, then there were 11 such games in the from 74 to 79, 14 in the 80s, 28 in the 1990s, and 15 more from 2000 to November 2007, since when none. No, 50 no-ball test matches. So it's become increasingly irregular in test cricket. A, a number of factors in that, obviously the, the major one being the back foot no-ball law changing in 1963 to the front foot. Since the mid-1980s, uh, no-balls counted against a bowler's analysis. Up till then, they didn't, the bowler wasn't losing a run. So yeah, I think that might have maybe been a factor eventually. Uh, prior to 2000, you didn't get an extra run for a no-ball. So it was... One run to the team if no runs were scored off the ball. But if a single was scored, it was only still one run. Yeah, that never made any sense to me. I used to hate scoring when that was like The wides used to be the same, didn't it? If you bowled a wide that was so bad that the wicketkeeper fumbled it and and you you had to run two to get the two runs rather than getting one for the terrible delivery and one for the quick run on the fumble. That always annoyed me. Yes. Don't penalise me because I'm quick off the mark, Andy. It's one of my few (laughs) skills. And in recent te- now, so in one day cricket, the free hit came in late in 2007, um, for, for, for foot no balls. And in, uh, 2015 in all international white ball cricket, any no ball has been, been a free hit. But I think that's affected test cricket as well. So let's look at some of the stats for test cricket in 2018. Hold on to your hats, people, because this is actually amazing. In 2018, there was a no ball every, 423 balls of test cricket. It used to be 120? Wait, wait, what? 423 balls. 120 is the average for the whole test history. One no ball would be 70.3 overs, essentially. That is the highest since 1957 in terms of balls per no ball. When there was a no ball every 675 deliveries, Uh, there was a lot of spin bowling then, and as we were talking about, the back foot no ball rule. Let's compare it with more recent times. One no ball every 423 balls in 2018. In 1991, there was a no ball every f- for every 52 legitimate balls bowled. In 2005, the second most no ball a year on record, it was a, a no ball every 63 balls, one every 10 and a half overs, as well as one every 70 and a half overs in the year just finished. Of the top seven years for most frequent no balls, five were 1988, 1989, 1990, 1991, and 1992. That's um, incredible. Yeah. So that was an absolute explosion of no ballery over the late 80s, early 90s. I suppose everyone was using seam. A lot of fast bowling, very little spin. Yeah. So I, that makes sense to a certain um, a point. But yeah, wow. So I, I worked out based on uh, strike rates, the number of... The, the amount of time you'd expect there to be between wickets taken off no balls, if that makes sense. So, uh, it doesn't, but I love it. 2018, for, for a no ball every 423 balls, you'd expect to go 600 overs of test cricket, uh, in between wickets falling off no balls. 
for most of the 80s and 90s and 2000s, you would expect a noble wicket every day and a half of play. So about every 130, 140 wow. overs. Yeah, there's a number of factors involved here. As we said, not all nobles being looked at. So th- I think that's perhaps one of them, as you mentioned, Sandakan bowling 18 in a row or whatever. It, was. it helps if you're not calling them. <laughs> exactly. So that's one of the reasons there have been so few. But I think there was a slowdown before that came. Before the Adam Voges thing, I reckon there was already a slowdown. And I think that comes from limited overs cricket. So do, do you want to hit them all with a big one? So just to conclude on test matches, in the 1970s, there was a noble every 90 balls, 81 in the 80s, 76 in the 90s, 85 in the 2000s. Since 2010, a no-ball every 226 deliveries. So almost three times as infrequent, just under nine no-balls per match, compared with around about 25 for the previous four decades. So it's gone back to how it was in the 60s, before the back foot no-ball came in. Um, you're looking at four, five or six no-balls per game. So it is... It's incredible. It is incredible. And clearly part of it is to do with the umpiring. But I also think... The change, the, the free hit in one day cricket has maybe made bowlers m- just more careful generally about, yeah. about where they step. And in, you know, then the more scientific approach to sport, all these kind of little one percenters. That well, I think a significant. It, yeah. I 1%. think you're right. I think the two things that have changed. So obviously I think free hit has had a follow on effect. Pardon the pun. Um, but I also think that because they now check every book delivery. Like every every wicket they check for a no yeah, ball, yeah. there's nowhere to hide. Like you're not going to get away with one. You you know you're better off to always be um in front of in, in uh, you know behind the line. So um I think those two things are massive. And then the the umpire's not calling them is a fairly recent thing. And I think you can tell from your numbers even beforehand there was an effect there. Um, but that that has to be that has to account for more of them in, in um in tests. Um, but not so much in limited overs. But in limited overs cricket, I've looked at before and after the free hit came in in October 2007. So before the free hit came in, there was a noble on average through the history of ODI cricket every 101 deliveries, every 16.5 overs. Since the free hit came in, that's gone up to one every 349 balls, so less than one per 50 over innings, one every 58 overs. Um, that's in, I mean, that's such a... An incredible change in, in something that we don't always notice that much. But and, and it's been even more pronounced recently since 2013, uh, a noble every 436 balls in ODI cricket. Um, so one every 72 overs. So in the eight years leading up to this change, there was a noble every 87 deliveries, one every 14.3 overs. In the six months after it changed, it went up to one every 255. So it became is that causation or correlation? <laughs> the third as as regular as yeah. they had been just from the free hit. And we like to make fun of the you do like to make fun of the ICC and and um have a go at them. That was I wouldn't say it was a massively controversial decision, but it wasn't like everyone was like this will change everything. It has actually changed things. It is a brilliant innovation. Um, I've heard now people saying that should come into test cricket. I think that would be weird. It would be quite weird, but there isn't, I guess, I mean, there's much of a sanction in terms of, uh, and it's one of the complaints when the front foot change came in, that when a back foot no ball was called, you just about had time, and I guess particularly of a non-express bowler, because the umpire would call it that much earlier, mm. that you could adjust your Front foot, shot. it's hard, isn't front it? Front foot, yeah, that, you don't really have 
any opportunity. So there isn't really a sanction beyond the run and the uh, loss of a wicket. It, here's a this is slightly going off on a tangent. A lot of talk about the man cadding. Uh, should there be a batsman's no ball if the backing up batsman yes. is out of his crease when the ball is bowled? Yes. So no runs can be scored. I like it. Off that ball. You know, anything that's anti-batsman, I'm generally <laughs> for. No, because this is why I believe in man cutting, because the batsmen are cheating, Andy. And they're consistently cheating. And people, oh, it's spirit of cricket, waffle, waffle, spirit of someone bacon and egg tie. Nonsense. The original beginning of man cut, when man cut heroically took the bales off, <laughs> right? Twice, once in a warm-up game and then again in the test was because Bill Brown was known as the best taker of singles, basically, in world cricket, and he would just take off. He was getting an advantage. Josh Butler has been doing it um, in international cricket as well. No, you're right. No balls for everything. <laughs> I say more no balls. And so- then a free hit to the bowler, where the bowler is allowed to literally bowl a bouncer, <laughs> and the batsman's not allowed to play a shot, <laughs> even if they're a spinner. Because if the, if you've got the TV umpire looking at the front foot no ball, he could also monitor whether the batsman has anything in the crease. Stay in the crease, son. Yep. My my issue with the mancad is that I just don't. I don't. It's a it's a rubbish way to get a wicket. It's the greatest way to get a wicket because it's it's the way that cricket should be. It's intellectual <laughs> and and slightly dishonest and bizarre. It can, nothing. There is nothing more cricket than mancad. Um, testify. Hi. I'm your legendary Golden Age Australian batting genius, Victor Trumper, and you're listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour. Sorry, that's wrong. I'm not Victor Trumper, but you are listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour. My mistake. Right, so, Jared, I've been looking at the bowlers who have bowled most no balls in Test cricket history, as you do. And I've looked at the 352 bowlers who have bowled at least 4,000 balls, legitimate balls, in Test cricket. And the one who has bowled no balls most often, Patrick Patterson, the tearaway West Indian from the uh, 1980s, early 90s. Well, when you mentioned no the- ball every 15.4 legitimate deliveries, more than that's one every two and a half overs, basically. So when when you mentioned before that Mornay Monk had the most wickets, uh, my every there was that great article. I, I forget the writer, but that great article where someone had tracked down uh, Patrick Patterson recently and written that incredible article about him. And all my memories of Patrick Patterson are him getting wickets with no balls. <laughs> like I, I'm pretty sure, you know, I grew up watching Dean Jones, so I remember almost every ball that Dean Jones faced. I think he got him out 100 times in one innings with no balls once. And <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, it was Patrick Patterson who bowled him when he was run out off a no ball um, when there was a mistake there. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the Patrick Patterson no ball thing. I'm 100%. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if there's a train, but I'm on that train. <laughs> Honourable second place to Bob Willis. We said 939 no balls, one every 18.5 legitimate deliveries, so no ball every three overs. Does Charles Colville know this? (laughs) It's Charles Colville, Ian Ward, Mark Butcher. They should be mentioning this in every single, every time Bob Willis opens his mouth on Sky, it should be, yeah, but you bottle of no balls, so shut up. (laughs) Uh, Malcolm Marshall, next, one every 23 balls. Then Lassith Malinga, fourth, uh, one every 23.4 deliveries. Be interesting to see what his T20 record is because I've got him here. He's bowled 14 no balls in T20 or 14 free hits, I should say, in T20 cricket. So I'm assuming that means 14 no balls. I don't know if, how many waist rifle tosses, um, particularly are, are in that because we are looking, I'm looking at his free hit data, but that means he, he basically played his test career early on before the free hit rule and bowled a lot of no balls. Then he played his T20 cricket 
after the free hit came in and did really well. So you can almost see how it's worked for one human being as much as it has for everyone there. Yes. And, uh, well, you were saying the average free hit is what two runs per ball. So yeah, 11 point, 11.8 runs economy. Yeah. yeah. So, so essentially two, two runs a ball plus the one run for a no ball. So it's essentially each no ball is worth three. Yes. And potentially a lost wicket, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so so, and in a T20 game, that's. If you, we'll think about it this way. If you've got one team who bowls three no balls a game and one who doesn't, you're instantly, you're starting the game at minus nine. Yeah. Which is. You don't want to start at minus nine. You don't want to start at it minus nine. It looks stupid on the yeah. scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then Van Holder, Wazim Akram, one every 25 balls. And then a surprise name who is in seventh place out of the 352 bowlers who have bowled 4,000 or more balls. Derek Pringle. Not a man you associate with straining for that extra fraction of speed. Derek Pringle averaged a no ball every 25.2 deliveries, the same as Jeff Thompson. And that is, I think, is the only way in which those two have ever been bowlers compared. are similar. That, that's interesting. So you've, you've mentioned Patrick Patterson, Jeff Thompson, um, and I think there's someone else in there, guys who have very high front legs. So older- Bob Willis. Big high front leg. There we go. So younger crew fans won't see this as much because you don't see it much. The last bowler I remember in international cricket who had the big fr- front high leg was Marchant Delang, and he unfortunately changed his action probably because it broke his back. Um, uh, uh, Sean Tate has a bit of one as well. He was a pretty decent no-ball bowler, especially in limited overs cricket. I wonder if because they have that front high leg, it's just harder to be precise with it yeah. than it is for a normal bowler. But, hey... I'm not. I'm not giving excuses. I'm certainly not excusing Derek Pringle. <laughs> Someone should go back through all of his articles and see how many times he's attacked other bowlers for bowling no balls when he is the seventh worst bowler in history for that particular thing that I'm talking about right now. So Bob Willis, as I said, nine a record nine hundred and thirty nine no balls, one every three overs essentially. On, on his career strike rate, nine hundred and thirty nine balls that he bowled. You would expect 17 or 18 wickets. So he's basically done himself out of 17 or 18 test wickets, which would have taken his career average down from 25 and a bit to just under 24. Suddenly you're looking at, but oh, he averages 23. Everyone thinks, oh, that's, you know, that's a significant jump, isn't it? In the then way you look at Then stats. you're not doing the late night sky show, are you? You're in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's basically done himself out of an extra zero on the back of his sky contract. Um, Jimmy Anderson has bowled 39 no balls in his test career which has now spanned almost 32,000 deliveries. He bowls a no ball every 135 overs compared with Bob's one every three overs. Stuart Broad, 72 no balls in his career. Between them, Anderson and Broad average a no ball every 86 overs. That's really good, isn't it? I mean, and, and Chris Wokes has bowled 4,600 deliveries in tests without a single no ball. Pat Cummins. Nice who, to speak in the game. And Pat Cummins, who's, you know, who's a high paced bowler. Three no balls in over 3,000 deliveries, which is pretty impressive. Graham Swan, Ravi Ashwin, spinners, but still managed to get through 33,000 deliveries in their combined careers to date without a single no ball. I never bowled a front foot no ball. Is that in your... Is that in your uh... That's not in here, Jared. Never bowled a front foot no ball. Have bowled a back foot no ball. Here's <laughs> someone else who, who's higher on the list than he, sh- he should be. Saurav Ganguly bowled a no ball every five overs. That's impressive for someone who, what, 75 miles an hour? Yeah, he, he's struggling to do that, aren't you? Stop it. It's the drinks break. Carry on. So, because of so much no balls, we want to talk about free hits a little. Our, our best friend, free hit. 
Um, and uh, so this morning we sent off a uh, urgent email to uh, Shiva, our stats guy. Hi, Shiva. I know you're listening. <laughs> and uh, so what we've got here is I asked for the bowlers and the batsmen in T20 cricket who have been involved with over 10 free hits each. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb that some of the numbers here are quite odd. The bowler with the worst economy rate on free hits, Lassif Malinga, he goes at 20 runs. And oh, so when you're not afraid of going out to him, he's basically nothing. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's not nine boundaries from his 14 free hit deliveries. That's incredible. That's almost heroic. Like, I mean, no offense to Darren Sammy, but Darren Sammy's second on that list. Do you expect Darren Sammy's part-time medium pace sort of little swingers to be low down on the list? You got John Hastings, then you got, um, Sun on Orion, uh, Spinner. Those all make sense. Lassif Malinga at 20, I almost don't believe Shiva's number. If it wasn't Shiva, I almost wouldn't believe those numbers because that is so bizarre, except for the fact that when we go to the batting, can we just have a quick word for Mitchell Johnson? Ten free hits, nine runs, only one boundary. Which is ridiculous. There's only two bowlers in the world who have bowled over ten free hits who go at under ten and over. Mitchell Johnson goes at 5.4 and Timo Mills goes at nine and over. And weirdly, if you look down that list, Sohail Tanvir is got the fifth best economy at 10.5 and then Harry Gurney at 12. Basically, if you're bowling no balls, it's much better to be a left arm quick than anything else. Uh, you certainly don't want to be a right arm quick because even Jasper Bumrah, yet again, the, you know, the, the pride of Mumbai, the pride of India, the pride of mankind at the moment, the co- pride of weird bowling actions, he's going at 16 runs and over. Also, if you have a look at this, uh, of the, so what are there? There's about 23, 24 bowlers who've, who've bowled more than 10 free hits. Three of them played for St. Lucia Stars last season. <laughs> Uh, uh, Keswick Williams, as I said, loves a no ball. 16 runs and over from his uh, no balls. Mitchell McLennan, 17 runs and over. And Darren Sammy, 18 runs and over. Luckily, he was too injured to bowl. Otherwise, that could have been terrible. But yeah, I want to go to the batting for a little bit here because this is completely bizarre. The batsman with the worst economy rate in the world facing over 10 um, free hits, Verinda Sewag, whose economy rate, I mean, it's, it's, uh, sorry, sorry, strike rate. It's bizarre. It's 63. Yeah, seven runs off 11 free hits in his uh, T20 career. What's his overall strike rate? Like 140 or 150? And somehow he's managed to, in T20 cricket, to bat that slowly. Now, at the other end of this, and I don't think many people are going to be shocked at this one, Andy, um, Chris Gale's strike rate is 330 when he faces free hits, which is <laughs> Wow. That, so basically, if we said to Chris Gale, just go out and you can face as many balls as you want and you can't go out. You know, what, what do they call it in the video games where you get like unlimited life mode? If we gave him that, he would score at three, a strike rate of 330. That's basically stick cricket. Yeah. Saywag, his overall T20 strike rate is 148. <laughs> so he is less than half as good <laughs> off free hits. And he's less good off free hits in T20 in terms of run scoring, than off test match bowling in a test match. His test match strike rate was 82. And his strike rate of free hits in T20s, 63. Uh, the funny thing is, everything was a free hit to him. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't have even had to change his batting. I don't understand. There's a sense of fair play, maybe. He's, because he saw all He's bowling like, as a free hit. Well, an actual free hit just seems unfair. Just block it. There was only three guys, and yet again, I think there's about 20-odd guys on this list, isn't there? There's only three guys on this list who have um, a strike rate of under 100 against free hits. Um, uh, Sachin Zendulka, uh, strikes at 80 and Aaron Finch strikes at 81. So that's another shocking one, Aaron Finch. Yep. 
Um, everyone else is over a hundred. There's only, but there's only Chris Gale who's over 300, Rohit Sharma at 290, AB is at 280, and Adam Gilchrist at 276. And remember, Adam Gilchrist did it when he was finished. <laughs> so what would his strike rate of, against free hits have been when he was at his absolute best? He would have had to have pushed Gale, I would have thought, yeah. in, in that one. McCullum's down at 271. Quite an interesting little list, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Amit Mishra, who bowls a lot of no balls for a risk. Yes, 18 in his T20 career. Which is quite a lot. And, and he's known for that um, as well. But his economy rate on his no balls is 10.3, which for for a wrist spinner, I'm saying that's not too bad. Number three on the list is Shri Sant, who goes at 10 runs and over. I'm also pretty sure he's got the highest wides right. as well. I'm not sure why he bowls so many wides on no balls. But I do have a feature written on him that hopefully will be printed on Greg Info shortly. Uh, I spent a couple of days with Shri Sant, but... Shockingly, he's at the top of the extras list for both there. But I will say this for him. We, we can, we can raise our eyebrows suggestively about the man who's been suspended for match fixing, bowling a lot of wides and no balls. Economy rate on his free hits, 10. That's good. That's, That's two tiny. runs under par. Very tiny. And considering that no one else is anywhere near that, uh, you know, he's, in some ways, he's, you know, twice as good as Lassif Malinga. Only that one way. <laughs> well, as the great Sir Gabby Allen used to say, never put a pickled beetroot in the jockstrap. The cricket saved us our. I don't want to age us at all. And I remember watching cricket in the 80s and 90s when people were bowling no balls every 73 balls, was it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And you would have Richie Benno and Ian Chappell going on and on and on about the back foot no ball. So I, uh, the back foot no ball call and how it had changed the front foot no ball. And how much I hated that because I knew the minute a no ball was called, you could almost mute your TV. But back in those days, you had to go, you had to walk up and turn the sound <laughs> down, and it was very noisy. You couldn't even really do that. Then over the years, I started to research the back foot no ball, and I realised that it is far superior to the front foot no ball in almost every way. I'm going to talk about a few the few things, but one of the most important ones is it seems to be injuries. We d- we didn't report on injuries as well. Um, back in the old days as we do now. But there's absolutely no doubt that every bowler now seems to be every, well, every wrist bowler and every seam bowler seems to be at risk of serious spinal problems. Um, finger spinners, not so much because they don't plant their front foot as much, but all these bowlers are getting injured at a rate that does suggest that the, the way that bowlers are landing is not actually physically safe for cricketers. That does not appear to be the case under the back foot no ball rule where, you know, Tom Richardson bowled 4,000 overs a day. Yeah, but in those days, I mean, you could, you know, if he'd had a leg bitten off by a crocodile, he'd have been back out there in the afternoon carrying on, plugging away. We're not, this is not a conversation about snowflakes and millennials. <laughs> because Dennis Lilly had a bad back. <laughs> so, oh, and, you know, next, well, I was going to say there's nothing um, snowflakey about him, but he did. There's a lot of photos of him with his top off. <laughs> anyway, and he had a metal bat. Aluminium? Right. I yeah, digress. Aluminium, yeah. 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 Maybe, um, maybe it was the fact that he kept taking his shirt off that added strain on his back. Because you know? <laughs> that's quite an unnatural motion. It, it is an unnatural motion. A bit like the front foot no ball. So the first one is injuries. There's a very good book by Doug Ackerley, who he, Doug Ackerley spent nine years researching. I mean, we feel nerdy and we've only been doing this for a couple of hours, right? Doug Ackerley has spent nine years researching no balls. Um, and basically the front, he's one of those people that listened to Ian Chappell and Richie Benno talk about this in the nineties. And unlike me, didn't go, I wish these guys would shut up. 
and he went out and looked into it. And his book is called Front Foot, The Law That Changed Cricket. And I'm, I still haven't finished it, but I have read a, a fair bit of the book. And there's no doubt that he has put a compelling enough case that it is it is physically putting a strain on people that we do not need to put on them and that the back foot no ball law didn't put on them. So the difference why, is why the is difference that? between the planting and the impact that you put through the crease and putting your back foot. You can't plant your back foot with the same amount of force and torque as you can your front foot. But under the back foot no ball, it wasn't like bowlers weren't putting their front foot on the ground. No, but they were. It, it, so the difference is the way we bowlers were a lot slingier back then because they were trying to stretch out their body to be longer, to be closer to the batsman. So we, what we've done is we basically, I think if you track back the, the front foot no ball rule, and we don't have crick fizz going back this far, unfortunately, <laughs> but if you track, track the change from the front foot no ball rule forward, what we have then is a lot of tall bowlers who bounce the ball. And before that, what we had is a lot of shorter bowlers who swung the ball, okay? And so we have actually changed it. And so the difference between those two is when you're bowling swing bowling, you're stretching your body out a lot more. And when you're trying to bowl fast and tall and stay upright, all the force is going through that front leg. And that's what basically – Doug's probably going to send me a long email now saying (laughs) I've got that wrong. But I think that is the very basic way of putting it as much as I want to put it in this particular podcast. I mean – I'm not saying they're both not bad. Yeah. You shouldn't be bowling, kids. Let's (laughs) be honest. How how much have pitches changed? Pitches get harder. I think they definitely have got harder. I think that bowlers are bigger and stronger, which actually means there's more force and torque going through. So I think there's a lot of different factors. But I think if we went to the back foot, no ball, which I think there's many other advantages that we'll talk about in a minute. But if we went to that, I think we would get a reduction in the amount of stress-related back injuries and bowlers breaking, you know, vertebrae to come in and bowl you know we talk about long-term injuries in sport now about you know concussions and all these other things watch the way old bowlers walk around it's horrible <laughs> you know it's other than wicket keepers fingers it's the ho- most horrible sight of a former cricketer is to see an old bowler with it like 93 screws in his spine trying to get up out of a chair it takes him forever andy so i think injuries is very important the other interesting thing is it is so much easier to umpire the back foot no ball than the front foot. It's only probably a couple of milliseconds in it. I'm not sure what the actual timings are, but you you can see it easier because the line is closer to you and you do have the ability to raise your head a little bit earlier. So on two fairly important things, the health and well-being of our young cricketers and the actual ability to officiate the game, it's already got me, right? Yeah. But the third most important one is the one that you mentioned before. We didn't have as many no balls before. We didn't need to do fancy free hits and all this sort of stuff to stop them. They weren't being bold because it's easier to plant your back foot in a safe spot than it is your front foot. Would we have a problem then with dragging, which was one of the, the essentially the, the reason that law changed, wasn't it? That, that bowlers would land in a safe place. And by the time they were bowling, they'd gone a foot or more over the line and were bowling from... 18 yards away from the batsman. So that was the problem. I think it was at Linwell and Miller. Yeah, Linwell had a big drag. Yeah, Linwell certainly did. I mean, when when you see footage of the, he was like, he basically was like the A.B. de Villiers of back foot no balls in that he had evolved it to an art form <laughs> where he, he was basically an inch from the batsman at times by the time he released the ball. He sometimes pulls past the stumps at the batter's end, just bowled it straight at the wicketkeeper at 90 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. And Literally. Took it past it the first slip. Yeah. It was beautiful cricket. It's on pathé. <laughs> But essentially, I think there are ways around that. I think you can say if you're dragging it past the, that line, then that's a no ball as well. And I think that should have been called. I think that would have been the better option 
I wish that's what the change cricket had made. They would have just said, if you drag past us, the pop increase. Yeah, but that, but that then becomes, you've got problems from the umpire. If you, we talked about refocusing the eyes from the bowler landing to the, to the batsman. If you're having to look after he's landed for how long he's dragging for. Oh, okay. So you're, you're saying it that way, but I don't think that's as big a problem. Also, in terms of the technology of judging it, if it's a back foot line level with the stumps, you can presumably have a little sensor camera at the back of the stumps, like they do in tennis for the, yeah. the service line, just you know, making a bleep or getting a signal to the umpire as soon as it as soon as it lands. How much of the dragging of the back foot is done after the ball is out of the hand anyway? I, I don't know, Jared. I wasn't alive in the no, 1950s the, and 60s. Po- so they made that decision yeah. at a time when we didn't have very good, we didn't have sports science. I, I And, you know, I, I know Doug's looked into this. I think there's actually a chapter about the pitfalls of the back foot no ball as well in, in his. But realistically, I think that we can overcome the problems with the back foot no ball in a way that is better for the game. From a, And I'm talking about from a junior age level all the way through to test cricket. I think we can... Literally, the law is wrong in this case and should have been changed. And I think it was probably changed in haste, although nothing in cricket is done in haste. <laughs> it was probably changed in haste over a 30-year <laughs> period. Um, and, and, and it was slight, it, there was an error made and we haven't recorrected. And I think that it's probably now time to do that. Interestingly, also, because it would change the way that people bowl and whether we'd have a lot more swing bowling. And I'm not, I'm not saying that swing bowling is better than Past tall bowlers either, but you know, I imagine Billy Stanlake or, or um, Muhammad Amir with their back foot just behind the crease. They would almost be standing on the length that they usually um, <laughs> uh, bounce the ball on when it comes out of their foot. But it, it would be very interesting. But I certainly think that that is the way forward is a back foot law. But it doesn't seem to be there Not seems to be no general much, push no. No, for it. And with with us f- fixing. You know, free hits and all those sorts of things. My biggest worry is that maybe not enough testing has been done in the front foot no ball and back foot no ball because we don't have any bowlers left who bowl in that back foot no ball style. How much of an adjustment would that be then, do you think? I don't know. I think for some bowlers, I don't think it would be much of an adjustment at all. I don't think I would have gone like to have gone to a 28-year-old Mornay Morkel and suddenly <laughs> said, uh, you're going to have to change the way you bowl. But, but it would be very interesting. Most bowlers, I would assume... Most seam bowlers would their back foot in modern cricket would be behind the line. So I don't think it would be something that you would see in that many modern bowlers changing their bowling. I think you'd see the next generations coming through and changing their their action. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think. I don't think there's necessarily a problem. I don't know about the, the details, of the the injuries, and the various factors involved in that. But clearly, what we have now is not working in international cricket and you know, top level cricket. If then if the umpires aren't. Monitoring. And yet it seems such an easy fix to just have the one of the TV umpires. Well, you could even just have a no-ball umpire. The fourth umpire could get a tease made, get a, well, you know, the, one of those machines that automatically makes your cup of tea. That removes the main duty from the fourth umpire so we can focus on no-balls. Yeah, or a fifth umpire. Fifth umpire. Man, that is revolutionary. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I would assume that it is something that it, there's a technology version, which is what the ICC wants to bring in. They want to bring in a te- a, the version of the tennis serve. But there's a lot of different factors that want. And as you said before, the foot isn't always on the line. Plus, in tennis, you're a couple of inches away from the court. Well, also, there's no one in the way. And there's no curve of the ground. Yeah. There's so many factors of cricket that makes that tougher. Although all of those things, I think, can be done. There certainly are ways around that. We do have a camera permanently side on anyway from both from both sides. 
So we do have a, all that availability. But yeah, the more obvious one would be that an umpire is literally just watching four no balls, every ball on a TV camera. Yeah. But we don't seem to have made that decision at the moment. And instead, what we're left with is a, a law that is very hard to implement that we kind of don't implement because it's kind of hard to implement. Yes. And also, I do think they should change it so that something has to be on the ground. Behind no, you're the wrong there. I like a foot in the air. I like the floating foot. <laughs> it's impossible. The floating foot is cricket. <laughs> this is the Cricket Sadist Hour, sponsored by the human race, planet Earth's number one species. I think we've spent as much time talking about no balls as anyone other than Dennis Ackley yeah. <laughs> um, has, has, ever, has ever done. So I think we've nailed this. And I think the most important thing is you should get two free hits. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be so great. Imagine yeah. imagine being the poor schlup. You're in your first IPL game. You, some young kid, you've been picked from nowhere, and you just like, and they throw you the ball, and like you come in and you bowl a no ball to Chris Gale. There's nowhere to hide in the universe because he's going to hit you to that right. play. Here's another alternative. Rather than the bowler who's bowled the no ball having to bowl the free hit, the batting side can choose anyone other than the wicketkeeper on the fielding side to bowl the next ball. Or, no, even better, the captain. Who's already so angry. <laughs> imagine, imagine that, just like, I'm, who's the angriest captain in modern cricket? Have we got anyone? I can't go past Stuart Law. I know he's, he's Middlesex coach now. But imagine, like, you've got, like, a Stuart Law type captain, right? Just, like, brutal, authoritarian guy. And you've bowled a no ball, and then he has to waddle in with his little leg spin. <laughs> Bowl the free year. That maybe that will solve everything because Stuart, if the Stuart Law type captains will beat the bowler to death, so there'll be no <laughs> more um, free hits to be bowled. Anyway, that is all from us uh, this week. Please go onto iTunes and subscribe and rate and review. Um, as always, Andy's going to make his joke about how you should put a boombox on your shoulder and go around just playing the podcast. Did always? Him. I did that once. Does that count as always now? I don't know. And what times do we live in, Jared? We will be back again soon. I think in this case, you should transcribe this podcast and then go into a library and shout it through a loud hailer. We'll talk to you soon.